Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Goddess Creative Podcast, an inspiring space for all women to come alive and discover how to embody their divine wisdom for living a life on purpose, fully empowered and creative. From creativity discussions to mindset rituals and transformational stories, you will discover the tools every woman needs in her sacred container to navigate her unique path. Whether you're going through life transitions, desire more clarity to uncover your purpose, or are ready to become truly empowered, then you're in the right place. This is where women gather to paint their life canvas. Welcome to the Empowered Goddess Creative Podcast with Renee Shear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you are here. I am truly, truly excited about today's topic because we are going to be talking all about ritual and what ritual is and how it serves us. I have a special guest here with me today. Her name is Cynthia Flynn. She is a very old friend of mine, and she is the ultimate ritual woman. So I thought it would be appropriate to have her on, to have this conversation about how rituals can affect us, how we can use ritual in our life to expand and grow, to get grounded, and how they how they interact with the divine feminine as well. So welcome, Cynthia. Thank you so much for, for being here and joining me today. Thank you for having me. And of course, we know that this is a topic that I absolutely love. When I was first learning how to use a computer, my first thought for an email address was ritual woman. And my husband at the time, still my husband, but at the time he just went crazy. He said, you are going to get every sick porno person (laughs) sending you emails. And I said, what are you talking about? What? (laughs) And so then he went into an explanation of why he thought that and what the fear would be and this and that. And of course I never got one because um, that's not the vibration that I was putting out into the universe. I was putting out into the universe, my work. So that's, so now it's ritual woman at gmail.com. So (laughs) funny story, but it's, it's true. That is hilarious. Now, I met you, Cynthia, many, many years ago, I want to say around 2004, and I remember that it was during a time when I was going through a major transition in my life. I had moved to another state, and I was kind of a mess, and I had met you and started working with you and going to circles with you and and doing one-on-one stuff, and you were the first person to really introduce me to rituals. And I'll never forget some of the first kind of interactions that we had together. I, I kind of thought it was a little crazy. I kind of was like, what is this? And who is this Very lady? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I, this, is, this is weird. I don't know about this stuff, you know? But after a while, it started to kind of sink in. And of course, now when I look back many years, all these years later, I don't think I could live without having ritual in my life. It's, it's such a powerful tool. And so why don't we just start by talking about, you know, what, what it actually is. Oh, that's beautiful because there is a simple 
definition for the way you and I use ritual. And it, it comes from an Indo-European word meaning to fit together, to join together. And what it joins together is the metaphysical and the physical worlds. That's very easy to see, isn't it? Yeah. We take our physical self, our personality self, our physical body, and we go to the field of all possibilities beyond thought. And Einstein is the one who, you know, put the unified field out there by saying, I want to know the thoughts of God. The rest are in the details. And he was really talking about divine intelligence where anything and everything is possible if we go beyond thinking. And are you at all interested in how I got into ritual? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I was just about seven years short of writing my master thesis for getting an MBA. I was working full-time in an addiction center and raising three teenagers by myself. And I was feeling on overload, so instead I decided to go and get an MBA. Now, I didn't take anything else off my plate. I just added that. How crazy is that? Very. <laughs> okay. And during that time, my mother helped me out with watching the kids. And, you know, we would sit together at night and do their homework. And I'd do my homework. I had about 20 to 25 hours of homework a week. It was wow. a lot. And plus working in an addiction center, it was um, very taxing. And I was also doing body work in the evenings because I didn't make enough money to support myself and my kids. It just, it just didn't go very far. And not that we even lived extravagantly. And so then um, as the kids grew up and left, and I was, my, during that time, I was just finishing, finishing my last class, the classroom on cost accounting, and my mother died in the middle of it. Mm. And after that, I was done. I couldn't open a book. But, you know, along the way, I had been preparing myself for writing the thesis. So I had all my notes and everything, but I was just, I couldn't do it. And um, time was passing and time was passing. And I got down to that if I didn't have that thesis written and turned in, it was seven weeks before I could graduate. Otherwise, I'd have to start all over. And I had borrowed the money from a bank to go through graduate school. So I would be paying back for something that I never received or never finished. And I really don't have anything in my life that I hadn't finished that would be that significant. So I was talking to a friend of mine and she said, and, and she knew that I was really struggling. And she said, um, you know, there's a friend of mine, a client of mine, actually, she's bringing a shaman from Nicaragua to work with clients. And I'm sending some of my clients there. Why don't you go there? So I went there and I was very skeptical. I went down with a, a client also who later has become a very good friend. And we went down there and we went into this gorgeous home in Barrington, Illinois, and back into one of these rooms. And 
there was the shaman. And I was asked to just bring one thing. And that one thing was something that I felt attached to from nature. And so I had, I've always loved rocks. And so I brought this rock. It's been, it had been with me for a very long time. And I put it on his altar and um, he said, what do you want? And I said, I think I need to move the energy around this project that I must complete. And the deadline is coming soon. I had done hypnosis. I had just tried everything. Nothing. It just wasn't there. It wasn't in me and I couldn't force it. So he asked me to lie down and he began drumming. And I went very deep. So I had a lot of training in hypnosis. And therefore, I went extremely deep. And um, I don't remember any part of that. And then he called me back and I sat up. And he said, and I knew nothing about shamanism. I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. I was just straight up <laughs> addiction counselor, psychotherapist family therapy, things like that. And so then I I, um, I listened to him and he said, so, and he had a thick Spanish accent. So the badger and the turtle came to me. So he worked with the animal spirits and he said, um, and I was curious because for the last three years, people had been giving me little turtles, gifts, necklaces, <laughs> Chatskis. I'm not much of a Chatsky person, but I get them anyways. But I did keep this these turtles that came to me, and um, the, and then he said, "And the badger." And I was in Illinois, and I was, I'm thinking, I was very irreverent. You know, I'm thinking, oh, Bucky Badger from Wisconsin. You know, the, the <laughs> mascot for the Wisconsin yeah. team. And it just was nothing was was clicking. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to get a, a, do you know what a fetish is? And I said, yes, I know what fetishes are. And he said, I'd like you to go and get a turtle fetish and a badger fetish. And this was on a Wednesday. And he said, Friday night, put the fetishes on your desk, light a candle and start writing and just write anything. It doesn't matter what you write. If you, if you want to just keep writing your name over and over again, but just start writing. And then he dismissed me. And for that, I paid $150 that I barely had to give. <laughs> and as we're driving back home, I'm very pissed off. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> and my friend and I are kind of, and he's like, is certainly as skeptical as I was. He now takes people to Peru. It's chip dunking. He takes people to Peru and does ritual with them along with the shaman in Peru. So we both had an opening, but we didn't know it. So that evening, that Friday came, and I put the badger and the turtle on the desk. I lit the candle. I thought, for $150, I'm going to do exactly what the guy says, and let's see. I know this is a hoax. <laughs> so I started writing my name, and I wrote my name, and I wrote my name. And then all of a sudden, and this was longhand, and all of a sudden, everything just poured out of me. And my thesis was on the emotional causes of overspending. I was doing a program out of my office and I was going to market it to other therapy clinics. That was the MBA part of it. So I wrote all night, like till one in the morning, went to sleep, woke up, went for a long walk, had good breakfast, sat down, wrote all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And Monday, I turned in the first three chapters and I had a really tough chair. Everybody said, oh boy, did you get a doozy? And I did. 
But when I he called me into his office, he said, "This is very good." And I he, he had a, he said, "There's a few corrections in here. I want you to make." And they were all like grammatical punctuation and phrasing and things like that. Nothing big. He said, "Finish the next." two chapters because it had to be five chapters and it had to be in a bound book form. And then um, you can graduate in seven weeks. Wow. I was blown away, but I continued to do ritual. And then I began to teach it to my clients. And then I began to get excited about what I could call into my life with it. And that's when I really started to realize where my direction came from. My direction came from letting my soul inform my heart and my heart inform my mind. And so it is that was that joining of the physical and the metaphysical. So that's my ritual story. That's and so beautiful. It's like, it was like your defining moment of what's possible. And where I was going. And I, for most of my life, have been lost. I don't have a plan or a vision. I just follow <laughs> what comes up. And I've always been um, kind of chiding of myself about that. Like, you need to make a plan. Every time <laughs> I make a plan, I do a different plan. <laughs> so, I've been there. I get that. I but it always works out. So, and I've been a meditator for years. I had, um, <laughs> when my, my daughter is 48. And when she was a year old, I took a meditation class, and I've med meditated twice a day for 47 years um, because when I first had a baby, I was very afraid I'd be impatient. I was raised by very impatient parents, not my mother. My mother was the ultimate, but my father was very impatient, and I was just worried. And, of course, it worked out well. I'm, meditation became, you know, an in integral part of my life, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. Um, and I had a lot to work through because I had a childhood that prepared me to be in the helping profession, but I was very upside down in what the aftermath was of all of that. Right. So, and so, I, the, yeah. And let me, so let me just ask you, Cynthia, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of ritual, I mean, you, you did this beautiful shamanic work, but I would like to, to let our, you know, our listeners know, like, is ritual doesn't have, to, I mean, ritual doesn't necessarily have to be something so profound, correct? I mean, it doesn't have to be sitting in meditation or, or doing those sorts of shamanistic rituals and things like that. I mean, if you were to simply, you know, say, define what ritual is and you know in my life today I have easy simple rituals you're asking a beautiful question in the morning I get up I make a cup of pour over coffee I go downstairs I crack the patio door let the cold fresh air come into my lungs and I just sit there that's a ritual or I move to to write or I just listen to the birds starting their morning symphony. That's a ritual. I can take a ritual bath. I can go on a walk in nature and talk to the trees or listen to what they have to say to me. Whatever I'm intending on that walk, 
that walk becomes a ritual. Intention is always part of ritual. Ah, okay. I was just going to ask you that. So, uh-huh. even just <laughs> to relax. My husband and I have a ritual. In the good weather, we have a glass of wine in the hot tub every evening. We talk about our day. That's a ritual. Or on Saturdays, we have morning coffee in the hot tub. That's a ritual. And our intention is one thing, connection. It's beautiful. It, it, it's become a real part of my life. And I'm sure that many people have those very same rituals, and they wouldn't even, even call them a ritual. They'd say, oh, this is what we do every night. But that's what it is. But the difference is, is that those who may be doing those sorts of things, like you were just talking about, aren't necessarily setting a, a conscious intention as to why they're doing it. So if people were to become more aware of those rituals that they're doing on a regular basis and actually set an intention, how does it become more powerful then? Well, that is my favorite question. Because there's two parts to that. Energy flows where intention and attention goes. And whatever we focus on, whatever we intend, we expand. We expand it, and so does our deeper self, and so does the universe cooperate in it. There's the power. So you may set the intention Step back and allow the guidance to come, whatever that is. And don't interfere. Listen to that quiet voice. It gets louder if you listen to it. You'll be told when to act. My favorite song that describes this. You'll be known when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk (laughs) away, and know when to run. You never count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the day is done. So or the deed is done. So seriously, though, listen. And then you will know when to hold them, when to fold them, when to be still. We set an intention and then we go, where's my stuff? How come it hasn't shown up yet? But it's not (laughs) like that. It's this gentle guidance. Sometimes when you're not listening, they get a little rough with you. Listen up here, whack, whack. (laughs) If you wanted this, I've been prompting you to do it. And you just keep ignoring me. So here's a good whack. Now I got your attention. Do you understand? Have you had that happen to you? Oh, yes. For sure. It took me a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the human experience. If you want to charge ritual, normal everyday ritual, build an altar. There's a book, Little Altars Everywhere, and it's, it, it's not about that exactly, but I have little altars all over the place. At the foot of my bed, I have a um, Irish crystal harp that I got in Ireland. My husband's Irish, and then I have a stone, and then in between them, I have a uh, diffuser and I diffuse a little frankincense in there Mm. a little bit before we fall asleep and and it's just the way I like to fall asleep 
Yes, I, I love altars too. Yeah. I have many of them huh. myself. Pictures, conglomeration of pictures are an altar. People put make an altar on their piano with all their family photos. Hmm. That's right. And it, the altar is about the feeling. It holds the energy is what the shaman told me. You have to have an altar if you're going to do shamanic work like he did because he said the altar holds the energy. Keeps him energized, keeps him going deeper. And you want to bypass your thinking mind. If you could have solved it with thought, you would have done it. So you have to get out of your mind. You have to lose your mind. Get into your senses. Become still. It's a practice. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, um, you know, how, you know, what are some things and some ways that that these these beautiful women could create little rituals for themselves. And I, I mean, creating an altar was one of them. I thought of that, you know, sometimes I find just the act of putting together a little altar is very um, healing and meditative and um, intentional. Um, just the act of putting it together is a ritual in, in and of itself. Yeah. Absolutely. Because as you are putting it together, you're moving into sacred space. Like, in the morning, I smudge myself with sage. Sometimes you come out of sleep and you have a hangover from a dream and you don't remember any of it, but you just feel unsettled. Mm -hmm. And then I anoint myself. I make an oil. It's called the oil of alignment. And it's a blend of grapefruit, which is for clarity of the mind, lily of the valley, which softens and opens the heart into tenderness, and eucalyptus, which is what's in Vicks Vapor Rub, and that's for the spirit. And it joins those three bodies. And then I just sit. What do you want me? What do you want for me today? Says me to deeper me. Hmm. And then I just sit. There's that's a ritual. A little ritual. It's a ritual. Beautiful. You I love can, that. Ladies can sit with their coffee in silence, quiet. But you know, the monks get up at three o'clock in the morning. The three o'clock in the morning, according to the acupuncturist, is when we clear our liver. Mm. You have a lot of anger that needs clearing. Oftentimes you will wake up at 3 a.m. continuously. Oh, they'll say to you, oh, it's menopause. It's your hormones. It's this. It's that. Something's trying to get your attention. But the monks get up early in the morning because that's when they feel close to God, to the sounds of God. They chant the monastic life, you know, yeah, and, and giving songs and praise to the divine, to the unified field, whatever, to the earth, whatever you consider more powerful than you, something greater than your thinking mind. We love to worship the mind here, and we, we loathe to think that it is as limited as it is. Mm. But if it's combined, you know, with the soul informing the heart and then the heart informing the mind, it is very powerful. And I think ritual joins those two and accesses it. I have a book that I haven't published, but I'm seriously thinking about publishing it with a list of all different rituals, rituals for releasing, rituals for a partner, rituals for grief. Rituals 
to prepare to call in a beautiful marriage, rituals for a particular job, rituals for, for knowing, rituals for stepping into the unknown, all different types of rituals. Wow, I want that book. <laughs> I'm going on it then, shouldn't I? I think I might just self-publish it. <clears throat> that sounds like a beautiful book. I think so. We're opening to it. I think this time right now, we will never be the same. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's created opening in all of us. I'm not saying that it hasn't been painful and disturbing, alarming, in fact, devastating in some instances. But it's also opened us up. And during this time, I feel like many, many, many people, it's a time of incubation. They're incubating creativity. They're incubating new ideas. They're making connections they never would have made before. We run around like, with our heads cut off. (laughs) All of a sudden, we're slammed into the earth. I remember having that experience when I had my first child. Mm. There's no way that you're going to not be grounded after you have a baby. That energy is flowing down into your feet, and you are responsible for another human life. What you do with it, well, those are your choices too. But it changes you energetically very fundamentally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have children myself, but I can imagine. And, and you know, just to, <clears throat> I agree with what you were saying about this time. And, you know, I myself have been struggling with a lot during this time. And I will say, if I didn't have my little rituals that I create for myself, I don't think I would be doing very well. <laughs> well let so, me ask you something. Mm-hmm. If you were going to change from the word struggle, what would you say other than the word struggle? And it doesn't matter if it's, it has a different meaning, but what would be another word for what, what's happening to you during this time? It's so interesting. You know, we were talking earlier about how we do our little rituals before getting on here and doing this recording. And, you know, that word storm, I had, I had pulled um, an oracle card about the storm. And I do feel like it's a storm inside of myself. It's a storm inside of myself that is, you know, sort of forcing me to really look inside and really um, honor those pieces of me, those aspects of me that are having difficulty, that maybe need some healing. Um, it's, it's also inspiring more creativity and more creative ideas and more inspiration. It's sort of this, if you think of like a thunderstorm, it's, it's like, there's the beauty in that of the, the heavy rains and the lightning and, and then, you know, where it flows, then you have the calm of the storm, you know, like you were saying, you were telling me earlier before this about being in the calm of the storm, um, like a, the, the calm of a hurricane. Of yeah. The eye, the eye of the storm. Thank you. You know, it's kind of like this whole, this whole experience of a storm knowing that once the storm is over, there's so much beauty, you know, there's rainbows <laughs> and, 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 there's sunshine and, you know, just, 
I, I, that's what I would call it, a, a storm, essentially. And what is the name of the city you live in? Are you asking me literally or literally, literally. <laughs> literally Greenville, green, green life, sexuality, new beginnings, germination. You live <laughs> in this beautiful city called Greenville. I, I, when you told me that, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, when I, when I was doing the discovery around, you know, what's your life purpose? What are you here to do? And the, the voice inside of me says, I desire to inspire. Mm. I desire to inspire. And that's what I've always really desired is to find some way to be inspiring to people. And then I changed it when I started to do ritual. And it was this. It is our responsibility to stay inspired every day. And if we can, every moment of the day. Because inspire of the spirit I was raised Catholic and took Latin. So in spiritus, you know, of the spirit that you are an artist, you are a painter, you must stay inspired and ritual every day creates the opening for you. And that, and you're so tuned into that. I remember when I first saw you, <laughs> first of all, I was astounded by your physical beauty and your big eyes, but you looked so very young. I was struck by the age that just kept coming back to me when <laughs> I looked at you. And it was between five and eight. And usually when we have those spaces, they are spaces where we sometimes have had a freezing of our emotional life. I knew nothing about you, but for years I've studied bodies and what they tell because we all know from looking at another person's body, whether we realize it or not, we know a lot about them. I have a course that I give on that, how to look at someone's body and to pay attention to what information it gives you because we do it automatically anyway when we walk into a room or when we meet someone for the first time. Yes. And now I have reconnected with you in a completely different way. And it's astoundingly beautiful to see your journey, the completion of healing of many things and the diving into of new things. And Carl Jung said that we we live in a spiral. You know, we keep going over the same things, but we go in an upward spiral, in an ascending spiral. And we mm -hmm. come here with an with the sole intention of of having certain things and doing certain things. And yours certainly was healing and being a healer. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. It was <clears throat> definitely been a, a long journey, but beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. All at the same time, mm -hmm. for sure. And, you know, I have definitely, you are, you were a big part of that in the beginning for me. <laughs> and you so took it, you took it further. <clears throat> um, so before we um, end, is there anything else you would like to offer our listeners about ritual or how they can... Any little oh, yeah. tips or anything like that? I suppose I could do a commercial. <laughs> I love to do, and now I'm learning that I have to do something to let people know. But I make ritual bags, mm. and they're on my um, website and Facebook page, I believe. And what I do is I charge for the ritual bag because it costs me to have them made. 
but I give a free session of how to use them. So if anybody's really interested mm. in purchasing a ritual bag. Yes. What is your, what, um, what is your website? They may go to, to get one of those. Cynthia-Flynn.net. And on my, um, Cynthia Flynn transition coach, there's a, a video of showing the ritual bag and, and what to do with it. But it's always better to do that in person. And the, the ritual bag right now is, they were more expensive, but nobody's really being able to move cash right now. And I think it's such an important thing. So they're, you know, $50, $49.99, you know, and um, I think there's, they're a real bargain. They're a beautiful bag. They're, and the contents is lovely. And um, there's a lot of power in them. It sounds beautiful. Thank you for having me, Renee. This is just lovely. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Cynthia, for joining me. Um, this was a lovely talk. I loved hearing your story about how you got into ritual. And um, I truly hope that this has inspired our listeners to consider setting intentions for themselves every day and maybe just starting to look at the little rituals that they can do every single day. I do too, because it's such a beautiful way to live. It really is. I know it's changed my life and I know it's changed yours. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Please feel free to visit my website, www.reneeshear.com. Sign up for my newsletter and you will receive a mini painting course on starting your creative practice. Until we meet again, dear sisters, be well. Thank you so much for listening to the Empowered Goddess Creative Podcast, a place where you can always feel at home. If you're feeling the call to dive deeper into your sacred journey, go to www.reneeshear.com to learn all the ways you can participate in a community of sisters who are making massive transformation at Renee's online classes, retreats, and private groups. Let life be your canvas, dear sister, and we'll see you on the next episode.